Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Listeners, today I got Vikram Rajan. He is the co-founder of Video Socials. I mean, something I love about doing this podcast, I, of course, I get to hear the struggles, overcome adversity, and I get these unique ideas, unique platforms that seem pretty straightforward. But once you actually dive into them, you're like, oh, my gosh, why hasn't this been around already? And I guess there has been something like this. But I mean, walk us through your uh, video social uh, platform. Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm I'm up here in New York and we've got members across the country. You know, they are lawyers, they're accountants, they're coaches, they're consultants, they're well-seasoned, well-connected professionals, and they need to stay top of mind with their potential clients and referral relationships, you know, just like I'm sure how you do, right, for, for those word-of-mouth referrals. And content is king. we got to put content out there. As you know, video is integral and prioritized by these social media platforms. And so we needed to give our clients, who we call members, uh, a very fun, convenient way to create videos, get better, better at doing those videos, and then get them posted and shared. Because what's really when you get shared is when you're getting new people and new potential clients. Um, so it's really started because um, when we started, we, we have another company called Phone Blogger, where we interview our clients over the phone and turn what they say into written articles. And as the algorithm started changing, we needed to kind of keep up with the times and bring our clients along and get into the world of video. And none of them wanted to do video. This was BC before COVID. So they didn't know what Zoom was. They didn't know if they had a webcam on their laptop. Uh, You know how it was maybe that first week when everything got shut down, that it was a scramble. Well, our clients did that scramble maybe a couple of months prior to figure out video blogging. And I do a lot of networking up here in the New York area. My business partner, Mark, was the president of the largest, uh, one of the largest Toastmasters chapters in the country. I said, hey, Mark, what if we did like a combination of a networking group and a Toastmasters, but on Zoom, which is actually novel back then, now everything's on Zoom. But we said, look, it's not just about the elevator pitch. Um, It's really about getting different topics, nuggets of knowledge, because that's what's get shared on social media. You create a library and now you can use it in a variety of ways of, uh, of a sales funnel or promoting a podcast or a book or a course or different uh, practice areas or frequently asked questions, variety of video blogging, right? And so we started it and we kind of call it a video blogging club and we now host uh, multiple every day. So we host um, one or two every day, three on Fridays. Um, and it's a pretty fun way. And that's the first part of video socials. And as we were chatting offline, the second part is an automation app that takes care of everything in terms of mastering the video with captions, a headline, the call to action, end screen, disclaimers that a lot of attorneys, financial advisors, and other professionals need get added automatically. And we're automation partners with Facebook Live and LinkedIn and YouTube and WordPress. So all our member has to do is like the video, make sure the captions are right, click a button, and the videos get posted for them automatically, uh, which automates the social media grunt work. And then our members start sharing each other because it's kind of cool to be with each other, recording videos in front of each other, learning uh, those nuggets of knowledge and learning different presentation styles and skills and video socials in a nutshell. So if I had a guess, building this platform, I would think you're either in sales growing up or technology building apps. I mean, what? My background? Yeah, background. 
Yeah, sales. Okay. Um, I'm a marketing guy. You know, I, I've had to figure out how to scale my own word of mouth referrals beyond my networking time. I've had to help my clients who are really busy, who are used to belonging to networking groups, and we're big fans of networking groups. But there comes a time when you know you have to use LinkedIn and social media and email newsletters, and you need content for that. You need to scale your networking beyond your time, and and video is a kind of an easy way to clone ourselves uh, and to kind of be in more than one place at the same time and to have other people share us. Um, so being in sales, being in marketing, I'm not a videographer. I am a computer geek from way back when. I was doing the chatting stuff in high school when uh, people didn't do that stuff. Uh, so I was doing the LOLs before people knew what that was. Um, but I hired programmers because I don't know that much uh, about programming. So I hired, but I know enough to tell them what I want and kind of spec it out and say, this is literally how I want it to work and know enough to kind of read API documentation and know that there's something in there that I can use, but not literally know how to code it. So I'm a geek, but not a coder. So let's walk us, walk us through to your childhood. Were you in yeah. sales growing up? Were you selling the neighbors? Yeah. Who's geek yeah, yeah. growing up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, to this day, I'm waiting for those uh, uh, invisibility glasses that you get with selling magazine subscriptions and um, and all the silly stuff like that. Did that. Made games uh, when I was a kid in elementary school. Convinced my parents to take me to like a manufacturing plant and get games uh, made uh, to sell to my friends. Uh, that was like in fifth grade. Uh, sold blow pops and bubble gum, like bubble yum, bubblicious and all that stuff. That was in high school and got in trouble for that. Um, and yeah, I, I you know, did a lemonade stand, the whole bed. I, you know, it was great, great uh, cost of goods on that stuff. You know, you're able to just grab it from your parents. You didn't really understand about uh, you know, paying for the cost of goods. Uh, so yeah, I did all that fun stuff. I mean, that, that was just in my blood. Um, I like that freedom and flexibility and still trying to figure it out and make it work. But when I understood the concept of subscription income and recurring revenue and things of that nature, I said that, wow, that's really exciting that we can kind of staircase and stepladder our income from month to month. Let's focus in on a membership type community or subscription type service. And so I changed many years ago from a consulting perspective to a done for you service or a done with you service. A lot of our clients, they're really busy. And so they can't always do it themselves or do it well and do it correctly and do it over and over again. I figured out that there's a lot of value for us to do it for them and with them. So rewinding a little bit, you said yeah. that sales was in your blood. Was that mean that your parents were in sales? Were they selling no. things? Entrepreneurs? No. No. My my dad took an early retirement from the phone company. Uh, he is a management consultant um, uh, from being a cost accountant. And so, you know, as an entrepreneur, he's had to make it work. But I was his number one right hand person, bringing him those referral relationships, bringing him those clients that he would then work with. So, yeah, I mean, it, you know, my dad uh, has the entrepreneurial spirit, but I, we didn't grow up running businesses and things of that nature. I, I kind of wish I had. I think I would have learned a lot more, a lot quickly, hands on if it were like a family business in that sense. But I, I was in partnership with my dad for a little bit but really kind of in his retirement years and I was a, an adult already. So walk us through, walk us through how was, I guess, working with your father in a professional setting? Was that difficult? Was that an easy transition? How was that? It was challenging. You know, it was challenging. You know, it, it's, I have, you know, we all have our own personalities and I want to do it my way. I was a young adult, so I was much more brash and rash and wanted it my way. I don't know if I was always correct. Uh, but I definitely wanted it my way. So we had challenges in that sense. Um, and, and so 
uh, when it came time to, for me to bring on my own clients, I wanted to focus more on the marketing side because that comes more naturally to me than the operations and process development and systems that my dad focused on, which in retrospect, I learned a lot from because systems and processes within a company is, is paramount, is pivotal. So I learned a lot from there, uh, but really I went off on my own and became a marketing consultant uh, and became busy enough where I needed to bring on someone else to take over the overflow work. And I, I knew Mark Bullock for a long time. And so Mark is now um, my business partner and co-founder of Video Socials. Uh, so now that was the transition over the past you know, decade. Now, so you talked about partnering up with your, your father, right? So that mm -hmm. was kind of almost a forced partnership. And then when you joined up with Mark, that was kind of, you found someone, I guess, some synergy. Did yeah. you learn anything working with your father compared to working with Mark that you wanted to take steps for that partnership to, to blossom? Yeah, I mean, we, both Mark and I are very independent. And, and so, uh, which is ironic because uh, we're, we're very much loners and we work well by ourselves and we literally run a social company. Um, and we believe in community and togetherness and gathering, but we do wonderfully by ourselves. And so for us, we don't necessarily need to be constantly in communication, but we touch base. And so from that aspect, I've always been in partnership and I, I'm a huge fan of partnerships. I, I can't imagine running a business solo, like literally solo. Uh, and plus we have wonderful staff and our raving fans. So we have a whole team. Um, but in the very beginning, even right after my dad, like I, I wanted to find a good fit and let's say perfect fit uh, as a partner. And that was my number one thing that, you know, I want to be able to direct some aspects of the company, Mark can direct other aspects of the company. And to this day, you know, I may have a lot of that kind of visionary, crazy ideas, uh, but he's much more um, stable uh, and the sobering spirit. Um, and, and thus, he's a good foil and sounding board, because if, it can, if I can sell him on the idea, then we can go to go to market, so to speak. I can I've proven it. He's a little bit older than I am. He's maybe uh, like 11, 12 years older than I am. Uh, so that maybe also adds to it. So he has more life experience in that sense. Um, so I can be a little bit more of that frenetic idea guy, um, and he's much more operations. So he is, you know, we're a small company, but lack of a better phrase, he does have the COO type responsibility, which is helpful. So I can be kind of that quote unquote CEO role. So you said that you always look for partnerships in building a company. Now, what does that process look like? If someone's listening right now, right, and they're thinking about starting something, but they kind of want to partner, was it? finding the right person, having the idea, brainstorm with the idea, the transition. I mean, what does that kind of look like for you? You know, I think it's like any other hiring process, right? You hire for character and then competency. And so you have to gel and jive as people. Um, it's it's like a marriage. So from that aspect, it's like you're going to be spending a lot of time together, you know, either literally in person or virtually or at least in spirit. Um, plus, he had the right background. Uh, he is much more of a trained computer geek. I'm a geek from you know just growing up, but you know he has an IT background. He has that presentation background of Toastmasters. He's a trained business coach. He kind of checks off all the right boxes in terms of competency, but in terms of character of who he is, um, there's a lot of trust and integrity. Uh, so, as as such, you know when you become business partners, you're becoming family, like a marriage. So from that aspect, I, I say trust is number one. Um, because then you can kind of figure out the details. You can get into arguments, but know that there's trust um, and there's like business love, so to speak, right? That, that you know that you'll get through it because you trust each other and you figure out the details. 
in Mark, for example? Was he a, a colleague? Was he a friend? Did he, he, was, a, he was a colleague I knew in the in the business community. So we would see each other around the business networking world around Long Island, suburbs of New York City. So he knew my dad because everyone kind of knew me and my dad at the same time. Because at, at that point we were partners. Uh, and my father was kind of the gray-haired legitimizing force for me, and now I have my own gray hair. Um, and so so Mark was very much kind of in the orbit, and so he wasn't like a stranger in that sense. It wasn't like, hey, we met once, and it wasn't, you know, first date, let's get married. It was very much, uh, not that it was a courting period, but we got to know each other as people. So how did that conversation look like? Hey, Mark, I got an idea, Get yeah. feedback on it. Was that kind of... Roughly. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. I mean, it was it was at that point uh, as a practice marketing consultant, um, it was like, hey, Mark, do you think you could handle a client like this? Uh, and at that point, my I, original idea was kind of very typical to a law firm or an accounting firm, uh, many of whom, whom we worked with, was to create some type of a consultancy, uh, very much a, essentially a certification type program or a licensing program and create a coaching or consultancy. And I called it a consultancy back then because that's what I really knew then. Um, very quickly, as I got busy and he got busy, I said, well, look, now what do we do? Do we actually hire and start creating that triangle pyramid shape of an organization? Or do we create something that maybe is a little bit more scalable beyond our time? It was right around the time that we were kind of sick and tired of our clients not doing what we were telling them to do uh, around the word of mouth marketing using content. Back then, it was written blogs. And that started uh, the domino effect for phone blogger. Um, and it was like, all right, well, we can hire someone to fill the role of that ghost editor type role that we have at Phone Blogger. Um, and so that first hire with Marta was also kind of essential and pivotal because it was the first time that I wasn't necessarily doing the work directly for the client. I was no longer a consultant. I was kind of there, the, the manager of the project. Uh, and, and it was really Mark's insistence that because I have a writing background, I started a writing magazine in college. You know, I'm a, it's a passion of mine. Uh, so, and he, him with spelling and grammar is it's sort of embarrassing and he'll admit it. Uh, so I, I would always be that editor for him. And then especially as phone bloggers started, I was like, yeah, we can't have emails with like misspellings and bad grammar. Like literally we're an editing company. Um, and he was very quickly said, no, Vic, don't take on that role. First of all, I was really maxed out as a business consultant, but he said, no, let's hire someone for that role. And then we can, as we train her and as she develops the systems and processes around it, she can train others and we can develop a process and, and a plan that way. So, and it worked out. So when you started with Mark, it was, you take these clients, I take these clients and we're working together under this one yeah. umbrella? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was very much, um, lack of a better uh, word, he was... He, overflow clients like when new clients wanted to come in and work with me i just didn't have the time for it i said hey but let's bring in my business partner mark and he took it on very quickly people saw him as a face of a company and he would bring on clients as well um and they wouldn't necessarily know me or know that it was like my idea he was a little bit older so if we went out to events together he was very much you know the point person and people saw him as the lead and i'm like all right that, that's, i need to keep my ego in check no big deal like i don't i don't really care that I'm president and he's not, whatever. Um, the more you know, success we can have for each of us, the better. Um, and then he got maxed out as well. And you know, we had to figure out a new model. So, so when Marta came along, was that yeah. when there was actually, I guess, a, a, a checks and balances of structure of saying, hey, this happens, you do this, Mark, I do this, or? 
Yeah, well, even before then, we had kind of a little bit of a, you know, he had his clients, I had my clients. But yeah, it was a little bit more of like, all right, we needed a, a process in place because Marty needed to know what to do as an employee. And and so that's when like the governance of the company really started formalizing because we had no choice. Uh, so I put myself in that position of like, all right, we got to tell her what to do and how to do it. And in the beginning, she did it all soup to nuts with phone blogger. Uh, you know, there are a couple of components. There's the interviewing of the client recording that, transcribing it, editing the transcription, proofreading it, getting it back to the client, posting it on their website, social media, et cetera. And she was doing soup to nuts. And very quickly, Stacy came along, uh, who was a good friend of mine from college. And Stacy couldn't do the interviewing part because part of the reason she wanted to work with me was to work from home because she had a brand new baby. And uh, that baby is you know, not seven, eight years old or maybe close to 10 years old at this point. And um, she couldn't be on the phone interviewing because she'd have this crying baby in the background. I'm like, well, that can't be. But you can take on this part of the process off of Marta where you handle maybe some of the proofreading and the posting on social media part. That alleviates uh, uh, Marta's time to spend more time with the interviewing. And so the roles and responsibilities started creating, creating itself. Um, so you can kind of see like cells dividing into specialization. Uh, and then, you know, Stacy has now her own team of other promoters who basically take the finished product once the client approves and kind of goes out uh, on, on the social media and website platforms. Um, so it's kind of yeah. organic growth, I guess, uh, as things are getting bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it was organic, but it wasn't like random. Like it was like, okay, this is how it should be. Like it's okay that everyone does everything in, in the beginning, knowing that there are phases and parts to the process and that we could take this part and give it to someone else. Like it wasn't completely random, like, oh, I wonder what Stacey's going to do. You know, it was very much, okay, yeah, this is exactly what you can do. Or I guess this is the time because it enables Marta to focus even more. And that's how it is to this day. Marta focuses a lot on the interviewing. Stacey focuses on the food. So everyone, everyone, at least to this point, were people in your network of individuals that you kind of brought on? When did you so actually- Marta, yeah, Marta, we met through one of our closest clients to this day, Ada. I believe Ada is friends with Marta. Uh, they're kind of part of the same age group, so a little older than me, uh, a little older than Mark. Um, so I think it was like Ada's friend of a friend or something like that. So it was, she was in the orbit. She wasn't random, completely. Was it just, we have an idea for this person or is it, we we find this this person's looking for work. We could probably offset it. How how did that that work yeah, out? Yeah, so Marta also had a lot of the so her style and personality, you know, is very trustworthy. Uh, she has a lot of life experience, uh, but she also came from a tech background. Um, she did a lot of work on radio and a lot of work with software. So she presents well. So in the role that she, we needed for her in terms of interviewing our clients and thus turning what they say into articles. She was technical and, and, and technological enough, but as an older uh, woman, um, she's well-seasoned and so can have a much more mature, experienced conversation with an attorney or an accountant and not have them feel like they're talking to a kid out of school where um, it, it, would, it would be too jarring for them. Here they're talking to really someone who's a, a peer in terms of life experience at the very least, you know, she doesn't have the legal and accounting expertise, but that's okay because neither do their clients. Um, but so the, the interviews had a lot of rapport, which uh, enabled the client to feel very natural and comfortable 
where they're not dictating an article, but they're being interviewed, um, and that turns into an article. And so, yeah, she had, you know, kind of checked off, again, checked off the right boxes in terms of competency, but the character was there. Well, so did you and Mark know you were looking in the hiring, needed to hire someone, and you yeah. threw it out to your database, or yeah. what was that process like? Um, we didn't want to throw it out there, but we talked to our key clients and said, hey, look, we, we've got this idea. We know you're really busy and you're not doing what you're supposed to do in terms of content marketing. We could do it for you, um, but we, we are looking to really bring in uh, and make this a process. And do you know someone who's like this? Um, and Marta fit the bill. To this day, she still works with us. Why? I'm curious. I mean, why did you go to your, your current clients and ask them for um referrals compared to going to indeed or another platform yes. trying to find yeah. something um we we go to our clients all the time um we have a board of advisors now uh, we feel they know they if they're a raving fan we can trust them they want what's good for us because it's what's good for them hmm. um so immediately it's like it's in the family you know it's i would have gone to you know folks in my family and and maybe not friend circle literally but in my family and friend circle figuratively because, you know, it's a who knows who, right? I mean, that there's an implied, implicit trust there that everyone's vouching for each other, just like word of mouth referrals in the marketing world. So for us, why wouldn't we ask our clients for a referral to a resource the way we would ask them for a referral to a vendor or someone else outside? It's It feels natural and, and I think the right thing to do. The more you can talk to your clients especially about things that you're thinking of rolling out, the better, because they can give you that feedback. Um, they can tell you whether or not they're going to pay for it, uh, but hopefully you know that they sort of need it and you kind of justify the process. Um, and so that's why it, it's, to, you know, to this day, it, it's not like I'm always, we don't want to bother them with the minutia, uh, but if we're rolling out a webinar, we want their feedback. Um, if we're rolling out a feature on, a brander, which is our software, I may not get their feedback right away. I get a lot of internal feedback and a lot of pushback. People are very candid with me, um, and so they'll give me they'll give me feedback. Sometimes, like after it's coded, literally a feature just rolled out, and you know, and we use an internal chat system, and there's like constant like feedback of like, why don't you do it this way? And this way, I'm like, well, I wish I had the feedback beforehand. I find it very intuitive, um, and so yeah, to answer your question. Um, Really, I'm sure there's that logical reason that yes, it's the right thing to do because it's trust. For me, it's an emotional aspect of it's trust. You know, so it's a gut feeling of who am I? Who else am I going to turn to other than the people who want this thing to work for themselves? Do, do you still do it the day when you start out first with your network of people? Um, usually, yes, yes, yes. So we haven't really hired anyone in the past year or, or so, but. Um, but yeah, I, I'm trying to think. And sometimes we do reach out. That's not true. I mean, uh, sometimes we're reaching out if it's for something very specific. I met my programmers through Upwork. We have some VAs through Upwork um, where it's a very specific job to do. And it's, a, you know, I'm sure they're sick and tired of me asking questions before. It's like that higher slow. I don't know if I necessarily fire fast, but the higher slow process, I, I definitely follow. And so I'm like constantly asking questions, trying not to give leading questions where they know the answers should be yes. But of course, they're going to say yes to me. Um, but I, I'm looking for examples. Uh, literally, just um, this morning, asked one of my one of my VAs who handles some of the our podcast stuff. I'm like, well, I'm looking for some uh, some kind of work on another podcast that we're launching. 
And um, I said, can you give me examples of stuff that you've done? And I said, here's some raw stuff of what I have. Can you put it together? And this way, she's able to showcase it uh, rather than just say, yeah, I can do it, which, you know, so so even if if I can't base it on someone in my circle of trust, at least there's an examples and some type of showcase, which is, you know, what I want our clients to do for us or with us or expect from us. Is there any change to the hiring process when it's from your network of people to um, someone that's not in your network of people? Not really. You know, they'll probably talk to me first, but they very quickly talk to Mark and Jackie, who I haven't mentioned, who's integral to our success. And Jackie runs a lot of our clubs, uh, most of our clubs are for video socials. And so if we're, let's say, hiring uh, a tech host, the person who runs the club, that's a huge vetting process. It's going to go to me in quotes because it's like, all right, I like them. Um, but it really has to go to Mark and really Jackie because she knows what it takes because she does it. So um, the process is still very similar. Like, yes, I, I'm going to have to have some vetting, um, but it has to go to the, the real person who uh, will eventually manage the process. What do you feel has been the the biggest hurdle in in building your your business? Especially with Phone Blogger, it was we were the best kept secret because we had first positioned Phone Blogger as kind of a, a ghost writing service or a ghost editing service, and we quickly had to move away from that. And I don't know if we ever did that successfully. Meaning. You know, you know, as I mentioned before, we interview our clients over the phone and turn what they say into optimized articles. And not everyone wanted like the public, their circle of influence to know they have like hired guns who really do the work of their blogging and social media. Um, and we would always say like, look, we're your editor. The way, you know, if you wrote a, a book, a manuscript, you would give it to an editor first before it gets published, let alone when it does, when you do approve any edits, you're not the one literally putting it into the bookshelves. Uh, you know, you have a publishing company and distributors, et cetera. Like you have an infrastructure because you know you're a subject matter expert in your field. Like why would you handle the marketing and distribution part? Uh, nonetheless, uh, as much as we rationale and rationalize it, um, we our we had a tremendous number of raving fans at Phone Blogger, but did, never got the same amount of referrals as we do at Video Socials because I think the the feeling was different. Again, they, they, there was a taboo, maybe embarrassment. They didn't really want people to know that they were using a service like that. Times may be different now. This was maybe, you know, five, six years ago. It was very much at the heart of that. With video social in the past two years, it's like night and day. I mean, now we get a good amount of guests from our members who are raving fans. We're looking to add fuel to the fire of like how much more can we showcase our members and have them be that much more uh, vocal because constantly our members saying, we talk about video socials everywhere and they're constantly inviting guests. Um, and there's a process we still have to invite them and vet them and see if this is the right fit and do the actual sales and marketing part uh, that my business partner Mark does a lot nowadays. But um, it, it, that's become pivotal and that's really because we changed it into a more of a membership organization. So it very much mirrored and matched the type of membership organizations that they're used to, networking groups, professional associations, other kind of social clubs. So to invite someone as a guest felt much more normal um, and even, even expected and definitely to their advantage because there are more nodes to the network, the more to their advantage of getting shared. And so when we kind of flip the script and flip the switch on that, 
that definitely changed. And it was practically overnight, and it's just been even more so. And now we have to do it more systematically and, and do it as kind of a, a more of a mature operation. But um, that's probably the number one reason, if I can conjecture that, you know, no, it's people have said it to us. It's like, well, I don't know if I want people to know that I use an editor or a, that I use a writer is how they would put it. And so we'd have to change that. No, it makes sense. Uh, I mean, before you were the, the great and powerful Oz, right? Behind yeah, the scenes. Yeah, behind the wall. <laughs> yeah, and, and now you're a, a exclusive networking group. So you want to be part of that so you can get it out there. So it kind of gives a different Yeah, and, and with and with video socials, there's no, there's no filter, ironically, right? So yeah, we were like Oz behind the curtain and we're the editor and the promoter. With video socials, it's them on video. So yeah. it's good, bad, and indifferent. It's what you see is what you get. And so they have to perfect that better. With with Phone Blogger, it was, the onus was on us to improve them, yeah. their editor. With video socials, there's much more kind of bringing back that Toastmasters concept. They themselves are improving their presentation skills. And that is a, a direct benefit. It's not the only benefit because, you know, great, you practice, but you got to get it out there. And even if it's not perfect, get it out there. Um, but it, it less responsibility on us, so to speak, and more on them. And then the grunt work of social media is taken care of with brand or our automation. So that itself is not like they're not, they're hiring someone to do it. They're using an app to do it. A lot of people use apps to, to handle their social media, like Buffer and Hootsuite, et cetera. Now, your company has evolved over the last I mean, couple of years. Let's say we're talking in five years from now. How do you think it's going to evolve over the next five years? So I hope that we're, we're still focused on the word of mouth referrals and scaling your word of mouth using Internet technologies. Um, kind of as that overall, because that's been the overall from phone blogger and now video socials. Five years from now, you know, I think video will be as expected as a website is or a cell phone is. You know, I remember when I got my first cell phone in college, you know, it was like drug dealers had cell phones and no one else. So it's very odd. Um, you know, it's like getting beepers back then, um, back before cell phones. Um, and then I remember like websites, it was like the cool thing to do and it was very novel and it kind of, but it wasn't expected. It wasn't like everyone, of course you had a website. Um, LinkedIn was the same way, right? In the beginning, we would like roll our eyes at getting invited yet again to LinkedIn. I was like, what's this joke thing? And it was literally a late night talk show joke, you know, butt of jokes. Um, and now LinkedIn is sort of expected. It's like, yeah, okay. You know, it's not a weird thing. It's like not like eye rolling if you have a LinkedIn profile. It's like, yeah, of course you do. And if you don't, it's kind of odd, especially in our circles as a subject matter expert, an accountant, a lawyer, you know, coach, consultants, like, what do you mean you're not on LinkedIn? Um, it, it's kind of expected. Now I think video is at that same stage of novelty in a good way, you know, from a marketing standpoint, it enables you to stand out, make a difference, really be different, but not so weird nonetheless. Video is obviously mainstream, COVID has accelerated that. Um, so obviously it's here to stay, the algorithms prioritize it. But if you don't do video, it's not like you're some weirdo. Um, and so you are able to ca um, capitalize on the novelty of it. But I think in a year, two years from now, if you don't have video on your website, if you don't have video posts uh, on your blog, um, you know, a blog has probably gone through that same iterations, right? Like even still this day, it's kind of you know mainstream to have a blog, but it's not like ne necessary. But a YouTube channel, et cetera, I think will be there in two years from now. Five years from now, it's hard for me to save any. Um, you know, I, I wonder when, 
the avatar world will come in where, you know, Facebook is now entering that world, but he's a little bit of a visionary, Mark Zuckerberg, of like, you know, to, you know, I forget who said it, um, you know, with Oculus and, and the virtual meetings that Facebook is trying at least to create and Google Glass. And if you remember Google Glass was back you know, a couple of years ago, kind of too ahead of its time. Um, so we're still not there in terms of real VR, virtual reality avatars and all that. And it's hard for me to say that in five years will we be there? Um, I don't know. I think we will be more of the video world in five years from now, but who knows? You know, so it's hard for me to literally say five years. I, I really would say two years from now. But if it does get to the point where we're all used to strapping on some version of an Oculus, and those are Oculus now, right? And so it's so strange and it feels cumbersome, but we can think about you know, watching the movie Wall Street or thinking about the executives in the 80s with your car phones and how ridiculous that briefcase phone thing was. And we're like, no one's ever going to do that. And no, they don't. Now they have a cell phone like this. Um, so we can imagine that in some part of the future, it won't be this giant, ridiculous Oculus glass. It'll be putting in our contact lenses. Um, it'll be some other very simple thing. Maybe it's surgical. Um, where we do have some type of VR perspective. And that sounds really sci-fi and crazy now, but think about how crazy anything we do now is. You know, I suppose a pandemic happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it would be really horrible. Now we're like, all right, let's get on Zoom. Let's get on StreamYard. Um, and, and life goes on for a lot of our, you know, kind of white collar professionals. And so I think uh, in some degree, avatars and having kind of virtual representation representation of ourselves is going to come and we'll be part of it because we'll be part of like the word of mouth world because just another avenue of content it's another way for you to scale your referrals beyond your networking time in your busy schedule how can you at least figuratively clone yourself until maybe that literally happens uh where you can clone yourself with content and video which is a proxy of us being in person not as good as being in person at least not yet uh, but i think video enables us to be in more places than once have people share us and really scale the referability of our practice. What do you, from from your experience, what's the is there an ideal time of your video elevator pitch? In terms of length, you mean? Yeah. Look, you know, uh, BNI, this is Networking International, they're the largest networking uh, franchise in the world. Not, I don't know if it's the best per se, but they are the largest. Uh, and I have a lot of respect for them, I, and a lot of respect for other organizations that uh, maybe do it in better ways. But Dr. Ivan Meisner talks about that 60-second elevator pitch or that story with the memory hook, and, and that's, a, that's a good framework to follow. Instagram cuts you off, at least they used to, for 60 seconds in a minute, so that's a nice round number. LinkedIn now is rolling out actively uh, what they call their cover uh, video story, um, which I just call their profile video. I don't know why they call it a cover story, but that's what they do. So if you, I don't know if you've noticed it, but if you hover over someone's photo, uh, if, it, if it has an orange circle around it, you hover over a photo and it'll just kind of like magically turn into a video. And it'll be a video intro. And I think they cut you off after a minute as well. Um, so I think an elevator pitch under a minute is great. The ideal length for a video blog, I think you can do a little longer, around two to three minutes. I think after that, you've kind of lost the scrollability, the stackability during the scroll, where it's like, how much am I going to listen to or watch in the nooks and cranny while I'm scrolling? Two minutes is a nice round number. You can go beyond an elevator pitch into more substance and education so people can learn a thing or two from you and share that aha insight. Um, and so 
we focus a lot on shareability of what will get you shared. And very often the elevator pitch won't get you shared. It's a nice way of people remembering what you do, which is important because you're out of sight, you're out of mind, out of referrals. But to get shared by others, you got to give someone an insight um, or it's entertainment either way. So insight or entertainment, usually it's insight because of, we're subject matter experts. And so hopefully it's also entertaining. And they share you. So two minutes is a nice round number out. Video socials, everyone has up to three minutes to get their video recorded. Um, and we say, look, if you could do three, you know, get it under three minutes, uh, but then start getting it closer to two minutes. And it's like the four minute mile. You know, once you start doing the two minute video and you and it's not rushed and then you don't feel like you've left stuff out and it was a good story arc, you can then rinse and repeat. If let's say you were, you could talk to your younger self, that person that was partnering up with uh, uh, his father, is there any advice you give to that that younger kid, younger man? Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I, I would say get in two things. Um, start the recurring income generation as quickly as possible. If there's a you know, and part of that is take credit cards. It's kind of a sub text and sub chapter of that. Maybe take credit cards first because you know uh, it was annoying to have accounts receivable and billing issues and having to put it out there and I hated that stuff. So I was able to automate it and, and pay the credit card companies their percentage. That was tremendous. And, and knowing that it's going to get you know I'm going to get that income once a month or whatever frequency was tremendous. So I'm not starting the month at zero, but it's a step ladder. So that I would have done much much sooner. Um, and I would have created some type of a membership part of that, right? It's very, you know, congruent, but phone blogger wasn't really a membership in that sense. But what we have now as a community is tremendous. Like, I love it. It's just really wonderful to see our members uh, grow with us, uh, literally financially, but also figuratively in terms of their personal development. And that helps them become raving fans. I would have, I wish I had done that sooner. Like, I wish we had brought our clients together sooner. Um, it, it's just, it's great that our clients get to know each other. Um, and, and it keeps us on our toes, right? We can't mess up. We can't do a disservice because word of mouth goes both ways, good and bad, but that's okay because that's, you know, we have to, it holds us accountable to be great, um, and, and to live up to the integrity and the promise and, you know, don't be afraid of that. Right. So, um, those are two lessons recurring and, and community. If, if someone's listening right now and they want to be a part of video social, what's the best platform, best way of, of finding it, uh, hearing more about it and kind of understanding it a little better? Uh, go to our website. Uh, so videosocials.net. So plural video socials with an S dot net. When you go there on the bottom right corner will be a chat box. It's not a bot. You know, it's not like an automated thing. It goes to my cell phone. It, it's like an app on my phone. So if you type in there, it'll, you know, Click on my phone, um, and it's really great. I'll, I'll be able to chat with potential guests. And then really, I like to get to know our guests even before they come on to one of the video blogging clubs. But they can come to a club. They can sign up for them. We'll get together before they actually come. So in the top right corner, it'll say, be our free guest. And you go there, and it gets to the guest registration website. We like people coming in just observing. You know, We don't have to put you on the spot to get a video recorded. Um, though, if you feel up to it, get a video recorded because we want you to experience the feedback system, experience uh, brand or the automation, how you can actually use our system and get the videos posted on your LinkedIn on a frequency that, you, that you're that you comfortable with. Um, so the easiest is 
chat with me, come as a guest, get to know us, see how it fits into your marketing and how it can scale your word of mouth referrals beyond your networking time and your busy schedule. Thank you, Vikram, uh, for being on the, the Road to Growth podcast. I mean, I think there's a, a lot of nuggets to, to take away from here. Recurring, get that credit card recurring right there, building a, a partnership. I mean, I mean, I, I know for myself, the idea, and I think it's a simple idea, but it's a, it's a great idea, is reaching out to your raving fans and asking them, hey, we're looking to hire this vision right here because it also brings them closer to you. Yeah. It also gets their network there. I mean, I think it's just a great idea right there. Yeah, they, they I mean, they, they want you to succeed. They, they don't, and the opposite, they don't want you to fail either because then you can't uh, service them. And so if they're your raving fans, client or not client, but especially clients, they, they have a vested interest in seeing you succeed. Um, and they will introduce you to the right people. They'll vet the right people. They'll be candid, especially if you can have that kind of relationship with them. Um, and, you know, they go beyond client to fan. And that's really what it means. Well, thank you. Thank you again for being here. Everyone, please subscribe. Please share. Go to video socials um, and on to the next one. Have a great one. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.